All right, we are live, episode 28. I got my son back here, he's watching. I got Lauren Chu, Complete Eats. I've got Patrick Allen, Transportation Insight. We get right into it, Lauren, let's talk cookies. Tell us right. how it started. First off, let's. Where are you right now? Where are you? Are you? Where are you, where are you on vacation? What's going on? Um, I'm actually visiting family in Sedona, so I drove here, just staying here, being completely safe, not even going out to restaurants or anything like that. So. Well, we are very envious of you to start this show, <laughs> but again, let's go into the cookie uh, empire here. How did it start? When did it start? Yeah, so I launched in June of 2018. Um, the reason why I started my business is because my stepmom, Diana, introduced me to the plant-based lifestyle a few years ago. And she baked all these delicious things like muffins and waffles and, of course, cookies. And I was just kind of shocked that they didn't have any refined sugar or eggs or butter or any of those typical ingredients. Um, and so when I got back to San Francisco, I kept scouring the grocery shelves thinking, of course, in San Francisco, something like this would exist and it'd be easy to find. Um, and I wasn't able to find it. So I got into my kitchen. Um, I adapted one of her recipes. And then I literally kind of walked into Rainbow Grocery, um, which was down the street from me, and asked the buyer and gave them, you know, my cookie in a Ziploc bag, essentially, and asked the buyer, hey, is this something you would be interested in? And he tried it, and he ended up stocking his shelves later on. Very cool. So, Rainbow yeah. Grocery, tell us where that is. I know where. What street is that on? Um, it's in the Mission District. Okay. Yeah. 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 Down at the down at the end down there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So a uh, Mission District, San Francisco. You're living yeah. there. You're inside your kitchen. What were yeah. the ingredients of that first cookie? Is it the same as what it is now? It's pretty similar. Yeah. So almond butter, dates, chia seeds, almond flour, all California sourced ingredients, uh, chocolate chips, and then now I have some additional flavors, so dried cherries, dried bananas, which aren't California sourced, um, and then I have a coffee flavor as well. So, you know, somebody who's starting a food business, uh, even something like that, if they're in in the kitchen, they're making some treats. Uh, how did you understand what to do for labeling as far as nutritional panels? How did you get uh, information on that? How did you execute? Yeah, so that's a great question. So a lot, I see a lot of these questions on different forums. Um, there's, there's a couple ways to go about it. There's a couple of websites that people use. Um, otherwise, you can go the route of hiring a consultant. For me, I ended up hiring a consultant to help me out with nutritionals just because I understand the consequences behind not doing so. Um, it's highly unlikely, I think, that you will get caught, especially if you're a small brand. But if you do have mislabeled products, um, there is a chance that you know the FDA could call you and tell you to pull your product off the shelves. And so I wasn't really willing to um, run that risk. Um, but I understand that a lot of entrepreneurs are really on a budget. And so, of course, they'll want to just do the online version, which is like very cheap. So Yes, good, good. That's a good answer. And uh, so if you're watching, there are websites, there are uh, tools you can use to input different information like ingredients and it'll kick back nutritionals. Um, give you an idea what it is that you you know you've put together let's say in the kitchen uh, that's a good answer um, after rainbow uh, after rainbow grocery 
um, what were the next steps? What did the business look like and what year was that? Was that now 2019? Um, yes, it was 2019. So I ended up getting into about 20 to 30 stores. Uh, the Bay Area is a great place to launch a natural foods product, by the way. Buyers are very receptive. They love local products and they want to support the local community. And, you know, so are consumers in the Bay Area. Also, it's not a very price or was not a very price sensitive community. So obviously you don't have scale when you're first starting out and you have to price your product accordingly. Um, and then from there, I kind of got a phone call from a friend who uh, worked at LinkedIn at the time. And he said, your cookies are delicious. They need to be in my cafeteria. And I was, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And so at that point, you know, I started talking to LinkedIn as well as some additional tech companies, also introductions through friends. Um, and, you know, they wanted tens of thousands of cookies. So at that point, I had to go find a co-packer because I could not personally, you know, bake tens of thousands of cookies by myself. Um, and at that point, I really was starting to think, and, you know, we've had conversation, we had a conversation about this in the past over the phone, Mark, but I was really starting to think, you know, wow, I really want to build a business that can scale. And what is the best way to do that? And honestly, the answer at the end of the day really is co-packing. Got it. We're going to get into co-packing in a second. I got a side note. She mentions the Bay Area is a good place to test a product. 20 or 30 stores, you can definitely do that. Not price sensitive. Why? Because you pay five grand for a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Sucks. Don't, don't yeah. do it. Uh, yeah. So yes, there's a, the double-edged sword there. I'm just trying to keep yeah. it real. Uh, there is I'm a double-edged sword. I, I lived in San Francisco for a long time. So um, just keeping it real as we always do here on the show. Co-packing. You transition out of your kitchen into a co-packer. How did you find them? You don't need to identify, but how did you find them? What were the first steps for those that may want to do the same? So the conversation with the co-packer when you're a new entrepreneur and you have this fantastic recipe and you really think that your product is unique and that it's going to completely take off. And then you call, you find a list of co-packers either through recommendations through friends or you're Googling on the internet or you're reaching out to your network. Um, and so that's basically what I did. And I called my first co-packer and they essentially hung up the phone on me <laughs> and they're just like, that's nice. You're cute. I don't think we're going to really take you seriously because you don't know what you're going to, you're talking about hire a food scientist and then we'll talk to you. And that was when things kind of started getting really real for me. And, you know, I was kind of my own little bubble burst. Um, so I, oh, go ahead. I, I want to make one note on that because this is an important one. Co-packers, they want to do business with companies or brands that are going to bring them volume. That's just, and it makes sense. So you always have to put yourself in the shoes of that company, that service provider. What I would always say to those that are getting into this space or any space for that matter, when they're starting a business is you're always selling. You're always selling. Yes. You're selling to raise capital. You're selling to get into a retail store. You're selling a vendor for film or boxes to get a better price. You're selling a co-packer that you're going to be the next superstar. I, I really want you to rewind that 30 seconds 
and, and really focus in on what this truly is as being an entrepreneur, you're always selling. Now, back to and the show. Most, and most importantly, <laughs> you're selling the future. <laughs> you know, it's not, it, it's, it, they'd say, ah, oh, it's cliche. You're selling a dream all the time. And that's why you do have to be passionate about what you're doing because you have to believe it. You have to wake up every morning that no matter how bad you got kicked in your face the prior day, multiple times. I got kicked in the face yesterday, multiple times, but you still got to wake up and you got to be prepared to sell a dream all day long. Now, yeah. back Lauren, uh, let's talk again. So how did you finally get into the co-packer? I was able to find a small co-packer, um, family owned in my hometown of San Diego um, that had low minimums. And, you know, the reason why that's important to find your first co-packers um, to have low minimums is because you don't want to commit to a certain amount of inventory with no channels to basically plug that inventory into because food goes bad. That's the reality of it. And you obviously want to provide your customers with the freshest version of your product. So that's a great answer. I love that answer, by the way. Um, and you, we did talk offline, you know, um, so uh, I have context there and you can make up some margin. You know, I'm a big advocate of trying to get your margins tight and in line right away. It doesn't matter if you're small or, or think you're going to get big. You need to yeah. have margin in the business because it's an expensive business. Um, let's fast forward if you don't mind, uh, you know, pre COVID, let's say prior to March, what does, what did the business look like? So my business was quickly growing. Um, I was quickly, so I, I hired a couple of brokers who were all stars and, you know, I have a sales background as well. I used to work in tech. And so we were really going after the food service channel. Um, and we were looking to really be in, in every office, especially within California and the um, PAC Northwest. And that kind of came grinding to a halt um, once COVID hit. And um, yeah, I had pallets. It was kind of a dramatic situation. And I've talked to other business owners and they faced similar situations. Um, I had pallets upon pallets that were destined to Uber and all these different companies and then the city completely shut down and they had no home and I had to redirect them and it was a total mess. But I think, oh, go ahead. No, that's, that's it. You're talking reality and, and yeah. transparency and honesty and that people love and I love it. What did you do then in March? What, what did you do in mid-March? What did you have to do? I had to find other channels for this product. Um, I, there's no, there wasn't even an opportunity to panic because I just needed to find a home for this product. And I had a lot of it. Um, I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't know how long this was gonna last. And you kind of are just forced to be in a reactive mode. So I literally just called every subscription box company I knew of, cold emailed them, cold called them, Luckily, I was able to partner with Imperfect Foods, um, which is also another SF Bay Area company. And that turned out to be a fantastic partnership. 
um, I was able to reach, um, not only was I able to offload my excess product, um, but I was able to reach a completely different demographic. And I saw my online sales on Amazon and my website climb from this partnership. So Good. it turned out okay. <laughs> I love to hear that. And, and that for again, rewind that you got to get creative. Um, it's, it, this is so, this is such a unique time. It's, it's, it's indescribable. Uh, you can't compare it to anything, uh, you know, and, and that's just reality. So you dug deep. We are now in July. What are the next steps for the company? What can you see yourself doing, let's say, over the course of the next 12 months? Yeah, so we've kind of talked about this a little bit before. So I'm definitely focused on direct-to-consumer. That's grown a lot. We've 5X on Amazon since COVID, 3X um, on CompleteEats.com, which has been really great. Um, obviously hasn't made up for the amazing food service channel, but you know, I'm approaching that with a mentality. If it comes back, fantastic. We will be in a great place. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. And I need to kind of plan that it won't, or it'll come back, you know, 30% or something like that. Um, so I'm also focused on retail. Um, we're really looking to get into a national chain and you know, build a national brand. And so that's something we've been working on. We've launched into some smaller, more local chains um, since COVID. Um, Mothers is a great example. When buying completely froze in retail during COVID, Mothers said, hey, like, I know you small brands are suffering. Like, please apply. Like, we want, we want to evaluate your products. And so, you know, they took in my products. Um, it's doing well there. They have about 11 stores. Uh, Market of Choice is another one in Oregon. There's a lot of great kind of regional chains that are thinking a little bit differently during this pandemic. So That's fantastic. Well, shout yeah. out to them. Yeah, there's definitely some retail partners that are going to dig in um, and support, um, and we all appreciate them. Too much success. Uh, you know, you can hit me up uh, outside this. We'll, we'll see you uh, progressing over the course of the year. Uh, complete Eats. Lauren Chu, we are now going to move over to Patrick Allen, Transportation Insight. I don't think we're specifically talking freight. I think we're talking freight intelligence. It might, it might be a way of, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. Give it to us. Give us what the business is about and who it's for. Sure. And to your point, you're right how things used to be 10, 12 years ago, you could talk about just freight and have a freight strategy. Uh, Transportation Insight, 20 years ago at our inception, we had a bit about that. Now things have changed, things have shifted, people are more sophisticated from a buying perspective, from a supply chain perspective. So we're doing some cool things that affect not just transportation that our name would dictate, but really the supply chain at whole, uh, as a whole. So we do that, I mean, it, it specifically, we have some success with CPG and emerging brands, because it's a pennies game, right? You mentioned it before, you gotta get your margins right at the front end or else you're, you're gonna die. So we help companies that are in a pennies game protect those pennies. So we start that from a transportation perspective and we take an approach, a co-managed approach. A lot of times with a broker or a 3PL, they can do really good things or even the asset-based carriers themselves. They can do really good things that help these businesses. So we focus on the front end on setting that carrier strategy, making sure that we understand, you know, who I want organics, who Complete Eats is using from a carrier perspective today, what's working really well, and we want to protect that. But also, 
we're the supply chain and transportation experts. So we have recommendations that we can bring to build that carrier strategy, to supplement it, to take an engineered approach and understand how you relate, how you fit into the carrier networks and how truthfully they fit into yours. Because your networks as a CPG brand or an emerging brand, they change. So Lauren, you were talking about the fact that you're in the Pacific Northwest and in California. Well, what if you go East Coast? You're probably gonna need different partners. So we take a look at that, that's our first step, that carrier strategy, we help build that out. Once we've done that, we transition into an execution strategy. We now know who we're gonna use from a transportation perspective, but now we're gonna support you with technology that allows you and your buyers and your procurement specialists and your transportation specialists to execute quicker and more efficiently. Most of the time that's through transportation management systems. So we look into that. So we have, our carrier strategy, we have the ability to execute on that strategy. What's next is you have to measure. And this is where those pennies come in. We have to make sure that those carriers that, we've part, that we're partnering with are doing the things that they need to do for the price that you expected them to do it. And you're getting the service levels that, you're, that the expectation is to get. Especially in the retail world, when you talk about OTIF requirements and some of those things, one late shipment can kill a brand because of the fines that come along with this. So we give our CPG brands, especially those smaller brands, tools to collect documentation and then fight on their behalf with these retailers to get them out of those fines if that delivery was actually made. And because Walmart, this massive uh, organization, you know, they missed something, we help you fight that to protect your bottom line. So you do those three things. We have a carrier strategy, execution strategy. We're auditing those carriers to make sure they're performing well. Then you talk a little bit about things like COVID. Mark, today on LinkedIn, you posted that, you know, hey, if your business was affected by COVID, you might want to prepare for that to happen again. You're one of the previous podcasts that you did with uh, Benedicti from Viking Waffles. Her business grew 700% year over year. Business changes. So your hiring strategy changes. Your marketing strategy changes. Your procurement strategy changes. Why wouldn't your transportation strategy change in the same thing? So with the, what we're able to do from an audit perspective and the data that we're able to capture and give back to you, we help you create a path forward, either react to the market in something like COVID where no one really saw it coming or project forward and what your sales growth is gonna look like and what distribution could look like. When does it make sense to bring in a co-packer? When does it make sense to find a 3PL on the east side of the east coast for distribution over there? So our carrier strategy, execution strategy, audit and pay, uh, and then the business intelligence. That's the foundation on which TI was built, and that's how we engage. Very cool. Patrick Allen, Transportation Insight. Info is going to be somewhere here. Lauren Chu, Complete Eats. Information is going to be somewhere there. I appreciate having both of you on. Be well, stay healthy, be successful. Until next time, peace.